But we're just fired up here for another edition of the challenge. What's this podcast called? <laughs> <laughs> this this is you killed it. I'm John Chidley Hill. I do remember my name. My name is Sheldon Alexander. You had me worried for a second. There was a small pause before you said your name. I saw a look across your eyes. Where you're like, what is my name? What's my mobile uh, as, we, <laughs> as we said, this is You Killed It, the most rushed podcast. Oof. <laughs> because we're both having a busy morning. But this was, it's been an eventful week mm-hmm. in the world of the challenge. Yeah. And this was a banger of an episode. We should talk about some things that happened before this episode came out yeah do we want it so yeah we want to talk we probably should have instead of talking about what we did talk about before we hit record we probably should have talked about what order do we want to discuss these things on the pod (laughs) i just i just sort of took charge there and just assumed we were gonna jump straight into all good events before we recap the episode all good all good no worries i love this pod so much (laughs) so coming out of last week's episode Mm -hmm. where ashley we gather said some inappropriate things to josh about josh i didn't tell you this but i haven't confirmed what happened yeah like i didn't tell you this i probably should have told you this before we hit record as well I, our listeners should know, Sheldon and I barely speak to each other all week. We um, might exchange three texts per week, and then we just talk about everything in a three-hour span. Yeah. Most of which we can't record, yes. or we have to delete because it's wildly inappropriate. So, so this is all news. Go ahead, Shelly. Yeah, so the, the, the crazy part is, yeah, as you said, we end up just catching up right before we record, and then at some point we're like, no, we got to hit record because we got to go. And yeah, then we end up producing the pod live on air instead of discussing what we should talk about on the pod before we hit record. Anyways, um, last week I was I uh, was in contact with some folks. I'll say that. Um, And yeah, what I was told was that um, Ashley called Josh gay. And that was a scenario that occurred. And for that, that's what she was kicked off the show for that. That's what I was told. Now, I guess that's the sources say. I'm not the journalist journalist, but that's what I'm going to go with here. And so, you know, with that context, we were already talking about the scenario under that context last week. Um, But I was trying to dig a little bit to see if if I was able to find out, you know, just, hey, what happened here? And so that's what I heard back. So that doesn't really change a lot of what we were talking about last week, but you're right in terms of it leads into another thing that happened in the challenge world this week. And I I think it was funny because I saw our guy LT last night at work and he's like, Hey, did you see this Leroy thing? And I'm like, yeah, I saw it because you messaged me about it, John. Um, but LT said he only knew about it because of the MTV post that they posted last night to Leroy. So I guess where, where do we start with this? Where do we start with this? Well, I want I want to give credit where credit's due. We had two listeners flag the post mm-hmm. for us. Uh, it was as I scroll through my mentions. There we go. Elaine and uh, Sarah Casellas both flagged it for me and for you mm-hmm. and I immediately 
watched and listened to it. For those of you who have not uh, checked it out, it's about a 40 minute video, 35 minute video, where Leroy revisits the uh, racial incident he had with Camilla, mm-hmm. where she was drunk and became incredibly hostile. And it's Leroy basically doing commentary. Like he rewatches the episode and talks about what was going through his mind. For those of you who don't remember this or, or didn't see it, you're more new to the challenge. Dirty 30, so seven seasons ago. Um, there's basically an entire episode revolving around this entire incident. Yeah. And a full, like, 60-minute episode. And long story short, what happened was Leroy's just talking game with some of his friends and allies. And he mentions Camilla. He says her name, but he doesn't say anything good or bad. Mm-hmm. He just, like, uses her as an, an example. But what he said was quite neutral. Camilla, who's drunk... Uh, overhears him and like freaks out because Camilla was always a very paranoid player and she used uh, racist language mm-hmm. toward him and you know it was he, she refers to his race from what we saw in the episode but we know from what other cast members have said she used racial epithets that are completely unacceptable it's just that, that like in MTV's cutting of it they didn't include it because yeah you know it's horrible yeah and she went on to win that season she was not kicked off the show Mm -hmm. and so this was leroy motivated by the incident with ashley sort of revisiting how mtv handled it if you haven't watched it or listened to leroy's video it's on instagram is on his ig live and it's posted it's easy to find especially if you're a white person and i say this as a white person you should really, really listen to it because it really is an interesting and important breakdown of what's running through a black person's mind as they are being racially attacked. And it's an experience I've never had as a white person. And it was really like, I like to think of myself as pretty woke and pretty sensitive to racial issues, Mm -hmm. but there's nothing like hearing a black person look back seven years after the fact or whatever it is and like talk about how it affected them then and still affects them today so i found it really powerful but what did you think sheldon uh i found it very interesting and i I thought there were a lot of key points that kind of uh hit home and i think uh, leroy did a really good job of explaining uh the power dynamics that exist in a lot of different situations right and you know the challenge, and I know we think of it differently, especially because it's a reality show, and it's not so much now what the show used to be, but the show used to be like a reality show in terms of there's a lot of realistic situations that occur on this television show. So when I'm saying he tapped into a power dynamic, that's something that people, um, how do I say this? People who look like me might feel in different situations, right? When you walk into a room, it could be your workplace. It could be whatever it is, right? But the power dynamic of you're always playing defense, right? Like even in this scenario where Leroy knows he didn't do anything wrong, he knows instantly 
as soon as Camilla starts going in on him, he knows that he can only say certain things in this scenario for fear that it could be framed in a completely different way. So he's just on complete defense. He's just like, Camilla, stop. You're drunk. Like he is not trying to escalate the scenario at all because he knows that he can't do that in that situation. And even as I say it now, I worry if people kind of understand what I'm trying to say here, but there's always this thing in the back of your mind about like, you know, big black guy, small white girl, what, like, he can't show any form of aggression in that scenario. And not that he should, but my point is more so like, you're immediately on defense. You're not going to raise your voice, which he didn't do, nor should you. Like, I hope, he, I hope I'm explaining this and articulating myself well, but like, it's just a feeling that ultimately you gotta like, you almost shrink in that moment because there's nothing you can do because you don't want it to be misconstrued as you being the aggressor. Cause it doesn't take much in the eyes of many for you to then become the aggressor in that situation. And so him just explaining that dynamic of, you know, him being so worried about just calming the situation down, diffusing the situation. And the thing I really, really was glad that he brought up and I wonder how much itch it kind of, uh, got through to some people who might not understand is him talking about why is that on him to diffuse that situation right and he said that and i have a smile on my face and and sometimes if you listen to this podcast you know i smile or laugh when i'm uncomfortable right and when he said that it hit home because it's like yeah it's something i've thought about a lot of times because you've been in situations where you're in this scenario and you're the one being targeted and yet you're the one that's left to try to diffuse the situation because the other people around who don't look like you are just hella awkward about how do I deal with this situation. And I think these conversations, and if you listen to this pod, you know that we don't shy away from these conversations because we want to have the actual conversation, not the like, I hate saying it, but the, the, the phony, um, you know, hey, we're going to have the easy take and just say racism is bad. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, that's not like we know that. Cool. Wait, what? Yeah. So <laughs> we, we hope to try to have these conversations from different viewpoints that someone listening might actually be like, oh, I never thought of it in that scenario. And Leroy brought up a lot of good points in that, that, you know, to me hit home in a lot of different sense, in a lot of different ways. And that whole thing about you immediately go into defense and that feeling that you're always like, you're the one that always sticks out. You're the one that's different in that room. And when she starts coming at you, despite the fact that you didn't do anything wrong, you still have to retreat. You still have to deflect and you still have to diffuse and not being able to understand or comprehend why that's the case. I thought Leroy did a really good job of bringing that up. The other thing, and sorry, I'll let you go in. Sorry. Well, I just wanted to build off your point because in that situation, part of the power dynamics that you were touching on and that Leroy touches on is that Leroy understands that at least in North America and frankly elsewhere, but especially North America, power structures are not designed to support or help black people or racialized people. And he knew in that instance that he was the only black face in the room. And at the same time, whether she realizes it consciously or not, Camilla also recognizes that power structures 
protect her. Like the phrase I think Karen is thrown around thrown around way too often. Mm-hmm. But part of Karen culture is that white people know that if they on some level that if they call the police, the police are gonna have their back. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily the case for black people or racialized people. Like we can put in indigenous people in there, uh, Hispanic yeah. people. The and and sorry, but Leroy also to that point, the power structure at MTV did fail him. Mm. The next day, Camilla wasn't kicked off. It fell to Leroy to be like, "Hey, Camilla, where's my apology?" Right. Mm-hmm. It all came down to Leroy. The power structure did fail him. Like, it's not just that Leroy was like, like, what do I do here? Like, I have to play defense. But also his suspicion that he wasn't going to have the producers, the power structure around him back him up was correct. It did not back him up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Like Leroy read the situation correctly, which is horrible. But he did. Yeah, I think, you know the the other parts that he brought up about camilla and the whole like oh you know the excuse of you being drunk you know and the whole uh sober thoughts or drunk words is that what the, what's the phrase is that the phrase yeah or drunk, drunk thoughts. words or sober thoughts thank you um gotcha that whole thing right about the next day being like oh you know i'm not racist i'm not this i'm not that with a completely other different scenario, which I am definitely not getting into on this podcast, but I'm sure John knows what I'm talking about because we talked about it off air. Um, and I, I say this a lot in my real life. I am never in a position where I'm going to argue or debate someone's level of racist. That's just not mm-hmm. an activity that I care at all to ever engage with. Because if we have to start said debate on whether or not someone is racist that's probably the first issue there (laughs) right like i don't have to i wouldn't have to engage in said debate so when someone wakes up and says terrible they said terrible things the night before and then the next morning it's like oh like oh i was drunk or i don't remember what i said or whatever it is that doesn't really matter to me really doesn't Right. So and then debating that point, I thought was an interesting thing that Leroy brought up in terms of like, you know, Camilla, like, oh, well, I don't say that or I wouldn't normally say that or I wouldn't do like, cool, that's for you to debate with yourself. Bottom line is you already said it. And so I'm not here to debate your level of racism. Oh, you're only a racist when you're drunk. Cool. Like, is that better? All right. You know, and a bunch, a couple other things I just want to hit about that scenario, too. We talked about it last week when we were talking about the Ashley thing, right? And why the Camilla thing was so weird because me as a black person watching that episode of the challenge immediately, and I don't know because I haven't gone back and listened to our pod after that episode, but I think on that episode, I said, if I were a betting man, I would bet that there were N-bombs dropped because you don't just say you black piece of whatever, whatever, and then stop there. Most instances, that's not how these things play out, right? So once you're now MTV and you're editing out the severity of the comments, you're now getting into a way different game of this as well. So in that instance, I understand why they edited out the Ashley stuff and decided we're not touching this at all. Like I get it because I feel like it's got to be either you're all in or you're all out. Do you know what I mean? So I, I get it and I understand it. Um, 
And and the last thing I want to say on the Leroy thing that, you know, I saw some people bring up online because they were like, oh, why is he talking about this now? Or why why is this coming out now? Which always seems to be a thing about someone who has been a victim in one way or another. And like when they decide to come out and tell their story on something. First off, if we are not the ones who are offended, we don't get to decide to tell someone else how they should deal, how they should cope, how they should handle a situation. That's first and foremost. Secondly, I thought he did a really good job in explaining just the times that we're in now and the, the, our viewpoint as a society and how much that has changed in the time between when that Camilla thing happened and where we're at now. We obviously know all the things that happened last summer with the protests all across North America, all across the world, but just also the conversations that people have been having, right? It's changed. Right. And so for him to understand, oh, well, there is some level of power or there is some level of freedom that I have now to share my feelings on this topic and not have people just immediately turn me away or, you know, have people engaged in a real conversation. Right. And I think that part was really cool because I think even on this pod, we if I go back then, we were probably kind of not nervous, but we were kind of like, Oh, okay. Well, we're going to talk about this, right? Yeah. But how long, how, yeah. how deep are we going to go about this? How serious are we going to get about this? Whereas now we went deep and serious for sure. <laughs> right. But like the, the thought of it now, we wouldn't even second guess it. And that's just because of where society is at. And also where I feel the level of comfort is on both sides. And when I say both sides, I'm talking about black and white and minorities and non-minorities and just everybody's ability who wants to have the conversation to actually mm-hmm. have said conversation, right? And and the understanding that I'm not calling anybody a racist, right? If someone makes a mistake- You can call Camilla a racist. No, no, I no. I feel comfortable doing that. For sure. But I'm, <laughs> but I'm saying like what ends up happening a lot in our society now is that, you know, as soon as you say someone said something wrong, immediately their backs up against the wall. It's like, well, I'm not racist. It's like, whoa, 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 slow down. We can have a conversation where I could tell you, hey, that's not cool what you just said. Right. And that doesn't mean I'm calling you a racist. I'm just saying, Hey, this is how I feel when I hear that. And I know that in a lot of instances, there's not malicious intent behind. And of Mm -hmm. course, Camilla, there is malicious intent. Don't get me wrong, but I'm talking about when we have the general conversation and someone being able to listen to Leroy and understand where he's coming from. Um, Sorry for rambling, but yeah, there was a lot of things there. There were a lot of things there. And I think Leroy did a good job with that. I, wa- I just want to add on two points, and then we should probably start recapping the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the first is that, I mean, you brought up that some people are like, oh, why, he's br- why is he bringing this up now? He makes it very clear in the video that it took him this time to process it. Mm-hmm. And trauma and grief are lifelong processes. Like, it comes up in different ways things remind you of the past and one of the things maybe the thing i found saddest like most heartbreaking about leroy's post is that he repeatedly was talking about forgiving himself Mm -hmm. and forgiving his past self Mm -hmm. which is like i understand why he feels that way and why he said that but think about that he was purely the victim in that circumstance and yet he feels like he fucked up Mm -hmm. and he 
categorically did not like i'm not sure in the moment that he could have done anything better you know and it's hard it was so hard to hear him repeatedly say in that video like younger leroy i forgive you Mm -hmm. like i'm so sorry that this happened to you like it's just so i'm like tearing up repeating it now because it's it's the again right it goes back to the power dynamic and he's thinking hey i'm on this show i'm on mtv this is my chance to make money and that's what he's thinking about right instead of understanding the dynamics of and and also go back then and think how many uh minorities were even on the show then right and how those numbers have shifted to where the show is now to where we're looking at it if we look at where the cast is right now you have players from all over the world right on the show it wasn't that during those times on the challenge and so for him he's like well i'm already different i'm already this i'm already that i can't make i can't cause any commotions here and now the pirate Mm -hmm. dynamic has shifted to where no 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 we're okay to have these conversations and and you know that's a powerful thing it is the other thing I want to add is if you want to go for a deep dive into the You Killed It archives and hear us discuss it way back when, at the time, it was episode, unbelievably, episode 31. We're nearly on episode 200. Wow. It was episode 31, and it's called Not a Fun Episode. And if you actually look at our SoundCloud, it's one of the highlighted oh. um, episodes that we have highlighted. Okay. But if you're using another way to listen to this podcast, we weren't yet on YouTube, so you can't see it there. But if you want to scroll through Apple Music or however you find your podcasts, episode 31, not a fun episode. That's the title. Shout Salim. <laughs> uh, that's where you can find it. Uh, should we talk about this episode? Which, yeah, I mean, this is a, a hard turn because that's a serious conversation and this was a, for me a really fun episode of the challenge spy Lo- spies lies and allies yeah and i think one way that will segue from one thing to the next is like almost applaud everyone involved like applaud leroy for this and i'm also going to applaud mtv for something not directly related to the leroy thing but you know we're segueing to talk about this episode that heavily involves Josh that heavily involves Josh's teammates in terms of Nani, in terms of um, Casey, in terms of Amanda. And, you know, you go back to all the other things we've talked about on this season where you had people from Nigeria, you had people from all over the world. And like, we're not even really talking about that anymore as being a thing. And I think that's a sign of progress, right? The fact that it's not a storyline that, Hey, we have all these minorities on the show and blah, blah, blah. You know, like it's, it's, I think that's a line of progress. Whereas coming off the Leroy story, he was the only black guy in the room a lot of times. Right. And as yeah, we segue in seasons, for seasons, years. and as we segue into this, you know, Josh is becoming a, a very headliner type of character on this show casey is someone to be reckoned with nelson is someone to be reckoned with like to me it's a sign of progress so i don't want to just make that seem like it's a downer to start the episode talking about negative things because there are signs of progress and the fact that we can have the conversation on this pod as always please send us your comments and what you guys think and all that fun stuff as we move on to talk about this episode which um maybe this is a segue (laughs) 
as there could be a new showman's couple. And did you see the the photos of Fessy and Amanda at the Denver Broncos game this past weekend? So a messy yes. a messy is back on. <laughs> I hate that we're gonna be having to hear about these two idiots <laughs> for years. Right? Uh... This is gonna be Nelson and Angela 2.0. Like, book your tickets to Maury. I should tell you, I don't know if you saw this, Nelson and Angela went on vacation together recently oh. to celebrate her birthday. And Eric tweeted at us, I don't know if you saw this, no. Nelson got knocked the fuck out I in, did. I think it was Vegas, for flirting with another man's wife. Yeah, I did see this. Yeah. Scubanelli. Scubanelli. Our guy, so he makes it he makes it so hard to like him. I mean, yeah, right when we thought things were going well for Nelly, not so much in real life, and right as we thought things were going well for Josh, not so much on this season of the challenge, right? But Josh, Casey, and Devin, they're having a very good chat, right? They're discussing yeah. how they should welcome Amanda onto their team, and something was said about a dishwasher. I don't know. I didn't really get it. <laughs> yeah, Devin said that we used to have too many cooks in the kitchen. Now we have one less cook. We've replaced her with a solid dishwasher. Ah, okay. I got you. Okay. Wasn't really. He's really stretching his metaphor. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I thought that was a good call by them, you know, because you do have to make yeah. her feel welcome. Um, it is a reality that you have to deal with. So, you know. It's what the Ruby team should have done, mm -hmm. right? Like, we were pretty critical of Nelson and Corey. Mm-hmm for being so like immediately hostile to Amanda. Yeah. And it was Casey who said it, like, we gotta make Amanda feel welcome. Like we you gotta get along to get along. Yeah. And Casey's right. <laughs> Casey's spot on. Casey's having a pretty great season. Agreed. Gotta say. Agreed. Uh Tori is having an interesting season. And what did you think of her whole get up here in like she had the towel tied around her neck. She had her like cape. some a cape on. Yeah. She had like a She's claiming to be a hero or she's not claiming to be I a liked, hero or something. I don't know. She said she that Ruby needs a superhero. She's not that, but she'll be their hero. I, I liked the idea. Like, I liked what she was going for. Okay. She was trying to get them all on the same page, trying to pump them up mm -hmm. and say, and like, she made some fair points. Mm -hmm. She made the fair point that Ruby has as many former finalists as Emerald at that point and more than Sapphire. Yeah. So they know how to get there. They just need to get on the same page. She has uh, red nail polish that she puts on each one, at least one of their fingers. See, like, I like Tori in general. Yep. She always goes, like, a step too far. Like, I w she, she doesn't quite do too much, but she gets real close to doing too much. Oh, no, 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 no. This was like definitely doing too much. Tori doing too much deal. That's her name. Like what? I, Come on, man. You could see Kyle's I liked, face. But I like the idea. Like she's trying to be fun and she's kind of quirky and a weirdo. Like I liked, I liked the in broad strokes what she was doing. I just thought she needed to do one less of these things. You know what I mean? <laughs> like wear all red, but don't do the nail polish or do the nail polish, but don't wear all red. Or just, like, don't have the cape and, the, like, just subtract one. But it was the nail polish. It was wearing the all red. It was, like, the Mike Singletary, like, speech. Like, we got to do this team and we got to do this and we got to do this. All she was missing was, I want winners. That's all we were missing from Tori. Like, 
nah, doing way too much. And the look on Kyle's face, you could see him holding back the laughter because he's just like, yeah, is, is she trying. being for real right now? And then Nelson just kind of looked like bewildered, kind of like confused, you know, like, wait, what? I don't even know what's happening right now. Is she trying to do a bit here? Is she being serious? Like, I don't know. Like, you can't give a serious ass speech while wearing a towel as a cape. Like, that doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. But anyways, sure, as you said, at least she's trying, right? At least she's trying. I agree. I want to say that I agree with what Amanda says to Josh next. Yes, I was going to say the same thing. You go ahead. You go ahead, Shelly. And it's funny because I said this to LT yesterday because he was like, oh, Amanda's so annoying, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, listen, I like Amanda because Amanda is Amanda. And so you mm-hmm. cannot like her, but she's her. So when Josh is like, hey, well, Tori would be up with me in the morning running and, and doing 30 miles or 30 laps or whatever he said, she's like, no, that's not me. That's not what I do. But what I can do is I can do puzzles in math, which is what the final is about. The final isn't only just about running. It's about puzzles in math as well, which is true. And I think their team did need a little bit of a mixture They did need someone to help them or take the lead in the puzzles and the math, or at least help out because Devin's pretty good at that stuff too. But you needed more balance, I think. And she's not horrible at like the other stuff either. So I was with Amanda in this combo. I was 100% with Amanda. And I think it really exposes part of Josh's problems in (laughs) in the show in general. Okay. He thinks that the people that win this show are the biggest and strongest. Yeah. And historically, traditionally, that's not true. Like, if you look at the people who've consistently won, if we, like, list the, like, I'm not going to pull up the list of the people who've won the most, but we we can, in recent well, history, name the ones that have won the most. CT, mm-hmm. Johnny Bananas, Wes... Ashley, Jordan. I know CT is, yes, the biggest and strongest, but he sets himself apart because he's really good at puzzles. But all you really have to say, though, with CT is that he's won the most in the worst shape that he's come on the challenge. (laughs) Right? Yeah, absolutely. So to me, that's more the telltale sign of what the challenge is really about. It's, it's almost like he's grown up and someone's going to get mad because, well, I guess he can't get mad because we make sports references every day. But it's kind of like, you know, as the aging pitcher gets older and you, yeah. you lose the juice and your fastball might be not cooking at 98, 97 anymore. But now it's cooking at 92, 91, but you're hitting the corners. You know what I mean? You're 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 working inside you're working outside you know maybe you develop that off speed pitch you're not just coming full speed and mowing them down anymore that's what ct's done to become more of a master of the game and understanding the different angles different ways to go about it and um, amanda in this scene with josh clearly understands that and also it's not like amanda is a slouch at running exactly she yeah she's one of the smallest women on the show for sure mm-hmm. but the final is not headbangers well even in this right? headbanger she wasn't afraid no she played rugby mm-hmm. like she's not afraid she but she also knows where her strengths lie 
right? To yeah. use a hockey reference, which for a Canadian podcast, we don't talk about hockey as much as you think we would. But Theo Fleury in his memoir, Playing With Fire, which is really good if you haven't read it, he talks about how he was always the smallest guy on the ice. So he learned that he wasn't going to hit anyone, that he was going to be hit and he had to roll with the hits. He had to learn how to take a hit without getting hurt. And that was his big advantage in the NHL where everyone was bigger than him. Amanda understands she's never going to be as strong as Casey. She's never going to be as big as Tori or Anissa. So why even bother? Right? Mm -hmm. Like we always talk about how like you can't be afraid of the contact. She's not afraid of the contact, but she also understands that she's not going to win the contact. And she just banks on that inevitability. Right? Yeah. So (laughs) thank you for helping me out there. Thank you for helping me out there because I thought I was about to sneeze and I muted my mic. (laughs) If someone's I watching saw, the video, I had you, Sheldon. You didn't even have to call attention know, to it. We almost got through it seamlessly. No, because if there's someone watching the video, I just find it hilarious because you'll just see me like the sneeze is starting to come on. It just never came. If if you're listening to the pod, you should at least go and watch the video just to see that tomfoolery and John having my back. But yes, sorry. So speaking of contact. Mm-hmm. Boom Raiders is, first of all, a great pun. Second of all, the name of the daily competition. It's real simple. There's three bunkers connected by three trenches Mm -hmm. that meet in the center. Each team has to claim sticks of dynamite from other teams. And whichever team collects 20 sticks first gets to blow up some fake explosives. Yeah. Um, and obviously it's men against men, women against women. And they, they announce like which one it's going to be. Emmy realizes that she's the only woman on her team. So she's going to be going up against in her words, five. So she says, Mr. TJ, how am I going to fight against five girls? And he pauses and goes, that's your problem, (laughs) which TJ's that's your problem is my line of the episode. Pretty good. That's a you problem. Emmy. (laughs) I like it. Um, I love that phrase. That's a them problem or that's a you problem. I like it. I like it. So here's the thing coming into this, right? There's a great conversation had by CT and Tori before this, where they plot out that, Hey, we need to take down Emerald's numbers. So we should have our teams work together. Genius plan. (coughs) Whoa. Apologies. Now, I found it funny that CT was the one that brought it up, but Tori in confessional says, hey, I went to CT and said, hey, maybe we should do this, which also leads into my Tori doing too much here. But beyond the point, let's move that on. So it's a great strategy because Emerald has the most numbers. You make Ruby win. And then that way, CT gave you the layup. He gamed out the game where you make Ruby win. And then you send in the two rookies against each other. Everybody's happy, right? Seems like a simple plan. But why isn't it a simple plan, John? Well, there's two reasons why it's not a simple plan. We didn't see this eventuality, but... I can't imagine that Tori is going to put, engage in anything that puts a manual on the line. Mm. Second of all, Kyle <laughs> f- 
forgets the plan? I still don't really get what happened. Accidentally, maybe on purpose, broke the alliance? I still don't really get what happened. I'm still trying to decide if Kyle's just slow or if he was had like some strategy to where he didn't want to, he actually didn't want to help his own team win. And, and I'm saying that because it doesn't really make sense because it was going to be rigged for his own team to win, right? And then that would guarantee that he's not going in. So I really don't understand. So maybe he's just slow because his excuse is, I thought you said to get blue. Blue does not sound like emerald. Those two words no. don't sound the same. So maybe he just mixed up his colors. Is he colorblind maybe? I, and I'm not making a joke. Feel, I'm actually being serious. I feel like the, if Tori said go blue, I feel like the producers would have given us a replay of her showing that. Yeah. It made no sense. And everyone's and like, mad at him. Let's be honest. Nelson's not the brightest. Mm -hmm. But he understood the assignment. Yeah. It's quite simple. So. <laughs> yeah. Kyle, I don't know what he was doing. I just wrote his team's pissed. CT's pissed. Kyle is a tool. I don't I don't get it at all. Um, the one thing I did find funny, though, was this sent chaos throughout the entire competition because then all the teams are just yelling at each other. Tori is fired yeah. up because she's screaming at the other team saying, Josh, what do you guys expect me to do? Of course, I was going to try to do something to help my team win because you guys aren't on my team anymore. So this leads to Tori trying to hit Amanda. Amanda kind of ducking it, you know, Tori yelling because she got screwed over. Devin saying, like, how are you trying to screw us over? Like, I don't know. I found this whole thing weird. Devin does make a funny point because he says, I'm supposed to be Tori's number one. Josh is one of her really good friends and she's sleeping with Emmanuel. And it's a guy's day. It's a valid point. Yeah. But I'm not with Devin on this on this one at all. No, I'm not either. Oh, okay. I know we're we're gonna get to that. We'll get in a there. Second. We'll get there. But because they're more yelling, Josh and Kyle. There's more yelling. Josh and Kyle are yelling at each other. Tori loses it on her former teammates mm -hmm. uh, uh, in the Emerald City, and then it lines up for what I did not like. I thought this was gonna be a showcase of CT. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. The uh, because this is the sort of thing, and like he does well. Yeah, the pain train coming to the station, but it kind of turns into a showdown between Casey and Tori. Yeah. And we've heard for seasons. Oh, Casey plays professional football. Casey is a football player. Casey's going to be so dominant. She's so physically dominant. We finally saw it, Sheldon. Yeah. She trucked Tori, not once, but twice. She sent Tori, who might weigh more than her, mm -hmm. is at least the same size as her, lying yeah she laid her out twice twice and it's to my earlier point about amanda there was a scene there's a moment where amanda and tori were running head on toward each other and amanda basically dodged mm -hmm. the hit not all of it but she, she most of it got out of it and tori is like josh this is the person whose back you had over me this is who you welcomed with open arms to your team she gets out of the trenches when she's about to get hit. 
Like, yeah, like, <laughs> this is my point. Like, Tori and Josh don't understand. It's not necessarily about who's biggest and strongest. If you're, if you're giving up, like, 40 pounds to someone who's running at you downhill, yeah, the smart play is to get out of the way so that you don't lose, first of all, don't get hurt. Second of all, so that you can, like, keep going yeah. and get the target which is the stick of dynamite like they're so none of it critical of amanda but she's right like amanda is right yeah the object is not to get run over that's not the object no. of the game that's not the object of any game any contact sport the object is not for you to get run over right so i didn't really understand what tory's point here was but the hit that casey put on her it Reminded me of back in the day, the old school uh, ESPN Sunday night crew or Monday night football crew, and they would have the, the segment jacked up because Tori got jacked up. And that was just, you know, when your body ends up looking towards the sky. <laughs> like, I don't know if anyone's, if you, if anyone listening to this has played football before or maybe even hockey you would get a hit like this rugby possibly i guess it could happen as well but i've been hit before where i've been hit and i'm backwards and i just remember floating backwards and you're just looking at the sky and it almost seemed like it was slow motion <laughs> because that's how yeah. much you got laid out right and it's a contact sport so it'll happen but my point is that was a real real that was a big girl hit like that was yeah. real deal. Like you got fucked up, Tori. Um, and I, it, I liked what Amanda said. When you play stupid games, you get stupid prizes. <laughs> I liked it. Great line. Also, too, it just summed up what we talk about all the time, right? We talk about you either want the smoke or you don't. Casey definitely wanted the smoke. It was just amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. I, I also got a point out about Casey you know that she's a real one because there's no bouncing around. There's no hyping herself up like Josh does, as an example. There's no psych up. It was just like she put on her helmet, she got in the shoot, and it was go time, right? Like the, mm -hmm. She was like Barry Sanders down there. She wasn't... There, there was no shit talk. There was just focus. Yeah. And that that's when you know someone's done this sort of thing before. Totally agree. Totally agree. The the one thing I didn't agree with is I didn't understand how Kyle was arguing that it wasn't his fault, or at least I guess he's trying to make excuses. I don't know, but either way, Ruby team was looking super sus, right? And um, I guess we get we get back to the house. So CT's CT squad ends up winning, right? Yeah. Long story short, and Ruby team, it's not looking good. Because Kyle, who knows what Kyle's plan was. Tori is trying to plead her case to Devin, and Devin is just going in on her. And I really didn't understand what Devin's point was here. Because is Tori just supposed to, to say, well, I'm going to help you guys win because it's a, a men's elimination, but that would also ruin my team and affect yeah. my chances of getting to a final if one of the strong guys on my team ends up having to go in and we lose. That makes no sense. And I think it's she just... made the mistake of not explaining the full plan, which was to have her team win, and then they'd put in the rookies so then Josh and Devin would be safe. Yeah, but then she gets in trouble with the main well, right? It's tough love. Pardon the pun. <laughs> it's tough love. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think we all know I'm Devin's number one fan. <laughs> but I agree with Kyle when he says that Devin's, you know, I don't like the phrase that Kyle used to describe him, but Kyle says that the game has got into Devin's head. And he's right. And this is the second time where we've seen Devin expects his friends to make decisions that would benefit him and harm them. Yeah. This was almost the exact same issue he had with Amanda last week. <laughs> it's just not realistic. Tori, just because Tori's on another team now, she has to look out for the best interests of her team or else she's fucked. Yeah. So she made a decision based off of that. It's also the veterans in general like each other this season mm -hmm. and they've virtually eliminated all of the rookies so it's going to be the case that people you like are going to go in like they're at a point where you you can't protect everybody yeah right like it's gonna happen and so tori has to make the decisions that are best for tori and that means putting yourself in a position to win a final and to the best of their knowledge, it's going to be a team final. She needs Corey, sorry, she needs Kyle and Nelson. It's big T that's expendable on Ruby, but mm -hmm. it wasn't a women's elimination. Yep. So what are you going to do, Devin? Like, I just didn't understand not only his anger at her, but how hard he was going at her. Like that made no sense, especially once she started crying. Cause then I'm like, okay, well, he's not trying to make TV here. Like he's actually going in on her pretty hard. And also it's kind of their own fault, right? Like if they held up more of a, a fight towards Amanda switching teams, maybe, maybe it doesn't work out this way, but Tori's like, you want me to protect you guys after you guys didn't protect me. Like, how can you not understand that? I actually felt bad for Tori, especially when she started crying. Um, I mean, Amanda didn't feel bad as Amanda was just chuckling or that was some great editing part, <laughs> probably part of both, but yeah, I actually felt bad for Tori. And, you know, Tori then tried to make it up by going to Kyle and trying to tell Kyle, hey, if you're the one going in, don't pick Devin, which was really unnecessary because he wasn't going to pick Devin ever. But there's a no. great conversation that occurs between CT and Kyle. This, I thought, was a masterclass by CT in terms of how to operate in the challenge. And they're having a chat. And it's a chat that they have once a season, right? Where they realize that they're at a point where they got to show their cards, right? Which side are you really on? It happens to CT and Kyle every single season. But Kyle is trying to butter up CT. And CT says, quote, he's trying to butter me up and then throw me to the wolves. But I'm a wolf. I've always been a wolf. <laughs> Close quote. That, my friend... That, my friend, is my line of the episode because I thought that was oh. pretty dope. Yeah, I thought that was pretty it dope. It was a good line. And he's I right. Mean, what I like to... I, see, I felt bad for Kyle here because CT was like, we're not friends. Mm -hmm. And, like, I know... I, I honestly think that Kyle was legitimately hurt. But also, you're right. This was a masterclass by CT. Absolutely exposing Kyle um, and his plans. So the entire house knows that Kyle wants to go in against either Logan or Josh. 
I liked what Kyle Emmanuel. did in Deliberations. Oh, sorry, Emmanuel. Yeah, Emmanuel or Josh. I liked what Kyle did in Deliberations, where he's like, listen, if you vote me in, I'm probably going to call down Emmanuel, uh-huh. and then I'm going to take Logan's spot on Sapphire. That's probably what's going to happen. It was well and played. We get to, Kyle does get compromised. And, you know, there's a little bit of sort of like tension in the house. Oh, who's Kyle going to pick? But we get to the actual elimination, burning bridges. Mm-hmm. And Kyle, like, immediately says, I'm not going to call down Devin. He's my best friend. Not going to call down Nelson because I made him a promise. He said, and like, in his head, in confessional, he says, it's burning bridges. It's like, it looks like it's going to involve balance. Manuel has balance to, to spare. I'm going to call down Josh, which I thought was a very nice way of saying that Josh is the goofiest person in challenge history. And like I once said on this podcast years ago, Josh isn't even good at being tall. And it's true. Like he has no footing whatsoever. So like, yeah, if it's any kind of agility or like, I know Josh is in the best shape of his life. You got to call down Josh. Mm-hmm. Anything with endurance or anything, you got to bring down Josh. It was an easy call. It was a super easy call. If once you're down there and you're Kyle and you see your options, it's obvious you, you got to go with Josh in that scenario. And, you know, credit to Kyle for making the play here where I thought, I thought there was a lot of good gameplay by everyone involved. Like I thought the plan from CT was good. The plan from Tori was good. Uh, Kyle just messed up in the, in the actual challenge, but once you get to the elimination and now you got to make a decision, obviously you want to go against the rookie because that, you know, is most often than not the best look, but once you get to see what the elimination is, yeah, that's a position you want to be in where you can choose who you're going against. And I go back to the deliberation where Josh says, I don't want to be put into the, this is a key part, right? And like, at the end, I said, I feel sorry for Josh, but he messed up here. If you remember in the deliberation, Josh says, I don't want to, he's like, I don't want to be the the vote here to go in. I would rather have someone pick me and then be mad in the moment and use that as motivation to go in which is a complete wrong strategy. (laughs) You want to be, yeah, if you think that you have a chance of going into the elimination, if you think there's a very good chance of you going into the elimination, you want to be the vote, so then you get to pick who you're going against. You get to select the matchup. So I thought that was a, a mistake on Josh's part there, but yeah, good job on Kyle. This was a great elimination, I thought. I really like this elimination. So as we said, it's burning bridges and it's actually kind of simple. Mm-hmm. You have to jump off of a platform and ring a bell. Yeah. Then pick up one of 16 planks, climb a ladder, and you're building the bridge. Uh, like I said, each bridge is 16 planks. Mm-hmm. And to every time you ring the bell, that's when you get to pick up a plank. And that's the key thing. If you jump and you miss the bell, you got to do it again for you to get that plank. So it's about endurance and something that I don't think either of them really sort of picked up on timing. Totally. You got to make sure the bell's swinging toward you when you're jumping out. Mm -hmm. 
they both sort of struggled with that. In fairness, they were tired, but you know, yeah. I thought this was great TV. This was really interesting. The one thing I'll say, mm-hmm. I knew Kyle was going to win. Yeah, I mean, I knew Kyle was going to win because Josh is not coordinated. Yes, oh. but I knew that Kyle was going to win okay. because we still haven't seen the argument between Kyle and Devin that oh. was on one of the coming up on. Well played. So I knew that Kyle was going to have to stick around. Well played, yeah. For that to happen. So the thing for me with this elimination that I thought was so good, and and this is the TV nerd in me coming out, but this was a masterclass in editing and whoever oh. like put this together because the way that they cut together the the slow-mos of like them jumping and reaching and swiping and missing and then the cutaways to the reaction of the cast members watching it was so good the pacing of it was so good like we know that it was kind of close but i felt at certain points i didn't really know who was going to win and I don't know how much that was true in real life. Do you know what I mean? Like how much Kyle was just ahead by one the entire time. But the way that they cut it together made it seem so back and forth. Because obviously, like, you know, I don't want to ruin television for people. But you're able to, like, if on Kyle's 12th jump, he misses, you can put that in the third slot. Do you know what I mean? To, to make it look a lot closer than it actually was. This in this scenario, though, I'm saying they did such a good job that I could even tell. Like, I was on the edge of my seat because I was thinking, Oh, wait, could Josh actually come back? Like, there's so many times where Kyle missed and it's like, Oh, and everyone's cheering for Josh, come on, Josh, come on, Josh. And then he jumped and then he missed. It's like, Oh, like it was just such a good job of editing and and just structuring that elimination. I thought it was a really good job. I thought it was amazing. I honestly, in general, I really enjoyed this episode, mm-hmm. but whew, this elimination was a good one. Did you, um, did you, the one thing I want to ask you, how weird would it feel to have nobody rooting for you? Cause it's very rare when it's like nobody rooting for you at all. Normally there's at least one person cheering for someone. Right. And instead Kyle had nobody rooting for him. Well, even even uh, Devin said, like, I'm not cheering for either one of them because whoever comes back, I don't want them to be mad at me. Mm-hmm. So although Devin, like, wasn't against Kyle, <laughs> he also was, like, hedging his bets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, think it de- I think it depends on your mentality. Okay. I think it depends on the personality. I think some people, like, I think if no one was cheering for Josh, I think Josh would have taken it really hard. Mm-hmm. But I think Kyle is quite comfortable being hated yeah and like we saw that like he wins mm-hmm. he flips off the entire stage yep. and then when he when tj says you know which team are you going to infiltrate kyle goes logan get off my team now like he does not care like kyle's much more comfortable with people disliking him than josh is. so is that the right call switching with logan a hundred percent really Okay. Yeah. Okay. Explain. Explain. Because CT and he just had an argument. He knows CT is uh, gunning for him. Okay. Okay. 
That's fair. CT can't nominate him if CT's on the same team as him. It's fair. Because th- think about it. The men on the on Ruby are Nelson and Logan. Nelson and Kyle are friends. Kyle said, I promised Nelson I wouldn't call him down. So that means Nelson, Nelson. has no reason to be mad at him. Fair. The Emerald team has Devin and Emmanuel. Devin is Kyle's best friend. And Emmanuel... You could just say, hey, man, I just didn't call you down. You convinced me. The only guy that's pissed at him is CT, so he's safe. You convinced me here. So I guess my real question then is, who's the best team? Because I would make the argument that Ruby is the best team. And they sort of stumbled into this. Yeah, Logan, Nelson, Tori, Big T. Mm -hmm. Their their weaknesses, they're bad at puzzles. Sure. Maybe Logan's okay at puzzles. I don't know. But you're right. But, like, I think that might be the best team. Yeah. It's, anyways, yeah. Great episode. It's intriguing. Great episode of the challenge. Great episode. I don't think Emerald's that strong anymore. Not that Josh was a big subtraction, Mm -hmm. but, like, Emerald's strength previously was that they all get along. And, like, now they don't get along as well. (laughs) Very true. Very true. Who, Who killed it for you this episode? Um, I do want to say that it is not Nelson who killed it because it's not my line of the episode, but, uh, he had a clip where he said, Oh, if I want to go in eliminations are where I thrive. One-on-one combat is what I do best. It's like for that to be a clip from Nelson this week, <laughs> considering the TMZ headline, oof, not a good huh. look that, that I had the, Ooh, <laughs> when I watched that, <laughs> just. Sorry, I know that wasn't the answer to your question, but I just had to fill, fit that one in because that one that one made me kind of not even laugh. I felt bad. Like I almost cringed when I heard that in the episode. But um, who killed it for me in this episode? I can't say Kyle because he messed up the whole challenge and ended up there in the in it, you know, just on his own. I might say that it's Amanda. And the reason why I'm saying that it's Amanda is because she vowed that if you put me in, I will blow up your Emerald team. And what she's done is she's blown up their Emerald team. Chaos. I mean, yeah, that's it. That's that's all I got. I can't pick Kyle. Well, I'll let you pick first. Go ahead. Well, it sounds like you just picked. It's true. (laughs) I did pick. I'm going, I'm going with Kyle, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you why. I, I'm having a hard t- time believing that Kyle went from being so dumb as to not know the difference between colors mm-hmm. to actually making really good strategic decisions, calling down Josh, winning, and then infiltrating the Sapphire squad. So you think he might've done this on purpose? Hmm. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I, I kind of wonder, I mean, also if you consider how unimpressed he was with Tori's rallying cry mm-hmm. for the Ruby team, that's a man who wanted no part of the Ruby squad and has consistently wanted no part of the Ruby squad and has consistently said he wants to run a final with CT. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying there's a lot of there's circumstantial evidence that suggests this was all part of a plan on Kyle's part. Interesting. A one man plan. 
Interesting. Where can the good people find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander, on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. Like and subscribe wherever you get the You Killed It podcast. Especially support us on YouTube, man. It's how you keep the train moving. And yes, we got some messages about hoodies. Some people saying, hey, depending on the quality, I'd be in on a hoodie. <laughs> so it's still a thing. It's still a thing. Um, I have an on blast hoodie and I have to tell you, it is very comfortable and warm Ooh. for what it's worth. That's a good, that's um, a good sell right there. Appreciate that. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jay Chidley Hill. And until next week, this was, you killed it. You killed it.